guess who's back? Paul and the Alfred. Okay, Paul runs in the span. We're gonna get shut out. Gambino! Hip to a home run! Yes, me. Choo choo, it's time for Paul and the Alfred. From the studios here in East Toledo, Ohio, this is all Andy Alfred right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes and the Apple Music page on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Now, Spotify, however you're listening to me, where and whenever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program today, and I love you guys. Got a lot to get into today. Of course, the big news out of the MLB with Manny Machado. You'll hear my opinion about that here in just a second. You will also hear about the the struggles that are the walleye and a good weekend for the Cyclones against Toledo. We'll talk about that as well as how BG is performing on the hard court. But we begin today, as always, like I always say to you, you can always be a part of our show. By following us on Twitter, it is at... All Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred. So, welcome aboard. Like I said, got a lot to get into tonight. And before we get into any of that, I want to start with the Jackets. And I tell you, folks, I have never been so embarrassed in my entire life by this team, by how pathetic this performance was. Give it up that, you know, uh, it's Tampa Bay. It's the best team in the league. I know we weren't going to play that great. No. This was a team, this was a game that saw us be absolutely beaten, conquered, and destroyed. And makes me question this team's ability. Now, see, I say this because. The Jackets, after we left you last Tuesday, when we did the show last Tuesday, they were getting a series against the against Washington, the Islanders on Thursday, Chicago, and then Tampa. And tonight they play the Montreal Canadiens. We'll break, review that game here in just a second. Four games that will determine if this team is still legitimate. Because right now they are at the time they are were still legitimate, and to me, this is an absolute travesty to go two and two on the on the stands since our last show, two and two in the last stands. You could chalk up the win against Chicago as a good win, even though Chicago is not that great this year. The big one was Washington. The win against the Capitals after the overtime win the last time you played them and shutting them down and beating them 3-1, to one, and we'll break down that game here in just a moment, was key. But the two games you needed to come out strong against, against the Islanders, who are first place in the Metropolitan Division, and the first place team in the NHL! The Tampa Bay Lightning. You need to come out strong. You need to come out fast. You need to come out quick. And it looked like we were playing a beer league team. 
Tampa was playing the beer league team. I don't know if it was a practice squad, the real Jackets team, or the practice squad. I don't know if that was the Kalamazoo Wings or the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the fact that this team has the fourth most wins since the 2017 season, 2018 season, With 162 wins. And then we get beaten, destroyed, and conquered by the best team in the NHL. And hell, they lost Victor Hedman for the game. They had no defense. No defense. Their top defenseman was out. And still our guys could capitalize. This is an absolute ridiculous. I was embarrassed. Absolutely embarrassed. I said it on my Facebook page that night that something special was going to happen with the Jackets-Tampa Bay game. And sure enough, something did happen that was special. And that was the fact that we were we proved that we are not the legitimate contender that we are going to, we're supposed to be this year. And now I can say this. After losing to the Islanders and losing to Tampa Bay, I can say this for a fact that there is a strong possibility that this team might not have to make the playoffs. How good this team is may not make the playoffs. And it's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. Now you jacket fans will be saying, uh, you know, you know, he the, he's just talking that now he'll get back on the high horse. He'll be back on the winning ways when they get on a winning streak. True that. I will say that. If they do get on a winning track, that's great. But you look at both Pittsburgh and Washington's remaining schedule, they're playing chump teams. Columbus has got tougher teams. They've still got the Western Canadian road trip where they got to go to Vancouver. They got to go to Calgary. They've got to go to Edmonton. And I can say for a fact that that's going to be at least one win. Guaranteed. That be the Edmonton game. Possibly. But this is just... And the thing is... I wouldn't say this was a you know a a embarrassing loss if this was just a regular game on on Fox Sports Ohio. Oh no no no! This game was on national television on the NBC network on Monday night after the great Hockey Day in America presentation that they had on Sunday. They lead it with the Blue Jackets in Tampa Bay, and it was atrocious. It was embarrassing to see Nationwide at the start of the third period empty. All you had left was the Tampa Bay fans.
It is just absolutely astonishing. On the national page, I've had people call me and text me today saying, what's wrong with your jackets? We watch the jackets and this ha- this is your this is how they're supposed to perform. If this doesn't mean I, I don't mean this in the harshest way to the players. They give it their best. But if I was Tortorella out of this whole situation, I would have pulled the Herb Brooks have them skating laps. Have them doing it again! Going from blue line to blue, red line to blue line, red line to blue line, goal line to blue line, goal line to red line, goal line to blue line, goal line to goal line, and back again! I have never. In my entire life as a Jackets fan, been so embarrassed by our play. Out of the 19 seasons that this team has been on, last night was the most embarrassed I have ever been as a Jacket fan. Because there was no effort, no play. They were playing soft. Passes in the center slot. And Hedman just putting it in. And this is a team that's going to make the playoffs. Possibly make the Eastern Conference Final. I don't see it. Talk, talk, I, I don't see it. Please, somebody tell me what I'm seeing because I don't see it. But let's recap from last week before we get to last night's game. There was some positives out of this week from the Jackets. And it started last Tuesday with the Capitals game. Shutting out the defending Stanley Cup champions. By a score of three to nothing. Duclair, his eleventh of the season, started the scoring in the second period. Felino tapping his fourteenth of the season, and Panarin his twenty-second as the Jackets cruise to a three-nothing victory. They outshot the Capitals thirty-two to twenty. Led in the face-off dot sixty-five percent to thirty-five percent. Both teams over on the power play. Columbus had four minutes of penalties. Washington ten minutes of penalties. Columbus had fifteen hits to Washington's fourteen. In the game, it was Braden Holpe stopping 29 of 31. He got a save percentage of a point nine three five. But Bobrovsky starting, stopping all 20 shots for a save percentage of a 1.0. As the Jackets cruise to a 3-0 lead. And then you get to Thursday, Valentine's Day. A big game. These two games were so important for the Jackets going forward. Having them play the Islanders is a key game because the Islanders are first place in the Metropolitan Division and we get shut out 3 to nothing. A total flip of script, if you don't mind. 
A total flip of script. Sakalas, his 14th of the season. Scoring twice. 14th and 15th of the season. Bailey, his 13th of the year. All the scoring in the first and second periods. Jackets beaten by the Islanders 3-0. Columbus, 31 shots on net to the Islanders, 27. They led in the faceoff to dot 57% to 43%. Both teams 0 for on the power play. The Jackets out hitting the Islanders 28-19. The Islanders and their goaltender, Grillis, 31 for 31. The Jackets starting Bobrovsky again, stopping 24 or 27. And a couple of those shots, Bob, and the def- really the defense let him down on that. It's save percentage of .889. The Jackets lose 3 to nothing to the Islanders. And then you get to Saturday. The Moms made the trip. It was Moms weekend for the Jackets. They toured the Miracle Mile, the... the Magnificent Mile. Got some shopping done. Got to see their boys play at the United Center against the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Jackets cruising out front early in the game. Getting a 1-0 lead by Pierre-Luc Dubois. His 22nd goal of the season before Patrick Kane and his point streak continuing on. Getting his 35th goal of the season. Tying the game one piece. But not even, not even 20 seconds later... The bread man himself, moldy bread himself, Artemi Panarin, gets his 23rd of the season, making it 2-1 Jackets. And then Cam Atkinson with some insurance to make it a 3-1 game, his 32nd goal of the season, and was 3-1 after 20 minutes at United Center. Jonathan Taze burying his 27th of the season on Saturday night, making it 3-2 in front of Columbus. Before moldy bread himself, Panarin getting the tip-in shot 12 seconds into the third period. And the Jackets cruise to a 4-2 lead. Anderson getting the wrist shot, beating Blackhawk goaltender Cam Ward as the as his 20th of the season. The Jackets cruise to a 5-2 win. Chicago out shooting Columbus in the game 41-30. Jackets 41% for the faceoff dot. Chicago 58.5%. The Hawks 1-for-1 one one on the power play. The Jackets did out-hit the Hawks. 26 to 17. Cam Ward stopping 25 of 30 in the game. His save percentage of 0.833 for the Jackets. It was Bobrovsky again starting 39 for 41. A save percentage of a 0.951. And then we get to last night. You know, and I'll say it again. I will absolutely say it again. So last night, like I said, nationally televised on the NBC Sports Network against Tampa Bay and Columbus, the fans came out. I'll give you that. I will give you that. But Kucherov just drilling the Jackets. Two... Backhanded shots is 28th and 29th of the season. Easy pass shots. Walked right down the middle of High Street. No defense. 
for his 28th and 29th of the season. It was 2-0 after 20 minutes of play. Then, of course, on the power play, Steven Samkos. 3-0 Tampa. But it wasn't done. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't done after 40 minutes. Braden Point, his 34th and 35th of the season. 5-0 Tampa. And at that time, I turned the TV off. I told myself, I can't watch any of this. The Jackets looked so flat. They couldn't get anything going in the offensive zone. They couldn't get anything going defensive wise. They were looking for they were looking too far ahead of the play than right in front of them. It looked like they were practicing on the ice. Not throwing the body, not playing hard, not playing good. This is not the Jacket team that had the shutout win against Washington. It was not the Jacket team I saw Saturday night in Chicago. This is not the Jacket team that I saw in Detroit in November. That fought and dove into this. That scratch and clawed. And made their way to the first place position in the Metropolitan Division at one time, my friends. They are inconsistent. You cannot rely on a forward that is becoming a moldy piece of bread that doesn't want to play here anymore. I can finally say this, and I will say this officially now. You have a goaltender that is struggling, not becoming the possible... The player that he's supposed to be. And you have a defensive core that is absolutely atrocious after Seth Jones and Zach Warinsky. Ryan Murray got hit late last night. He was out of the game. David Safard throws the body around but doesn't want to play full defense. The only bright spot out of the defensive side out of the defensive side was Nudavar playing solid. And Harrington Playing solid. The Nash Harrington Sedlak line all working. The fifth, the fourth line working strong. The first line was atrocious. Atkinson minus six. Panarin minus five. 
This was about as bad as a performance as they were as they were in Colorado. This was embarrassing. They're supposed to be the best line. The number one line. You have two 30 goal scorers on the line. You have positive players on your first line. And they don't produce. In a game that they needed. They needed this game. To set the relevance of this program. I am frustrated by this. This one really bothers me. That game, this game really bothers me. And I'm sorry if this episode goes long for you. But I have to get this off my chest. Because we are so close. Next Monday is the trade deadline. We have to make a move towards the defensive side of the puck. We need better players on the defensive core. We need better forwards. We need a centerman that can help us out. We need to throw away the bread. I'm sorry to say this, and I know that the artillery and the hockey dudes all want Panarin there, but I don't. He is causing nothing but distraction on this team, and now we're suffering because of this. We are absolutely suffering. We are suffering. Save the bread, my foot. Bob should be the first, was always the first priority in my opinion. Goaltending is key. No matter what the situation is, you can go out and get a forward during the off season that's going to help your team. Hell, you can get one during the during this time now. And I said it, Matt Duchesne should be the guy for the Jackets. There was a proposed trade from Peter Braun on TSN. It was going to be Columbus, Florida, and, and, and Ottawa as the three teams to trade. The Jackets would get Duchesne. The Panthers could either get Pabrowski or Panarin. And we find out tonight Panarin is sick. He is battling an illness. He will not start tonight against Montreal. That's not good. And that is who the Jackets play next. They play tonight in Montreal. 7.30 puck drop at the Bell Center. Jackets will then have two days off. They'll go into Ottawa to play the Senators on Friday before returning home Saturday to play Jumbo Joe Thornton. 
and Brent Burns and the San Jose Sharks before trade deadline day, Monday the 25th. And then they open up with Pittsburgh. Then Philadelphia, two big games, two Metropolitan games. We'll have the, uh, we're going to have all ADL for next Monday because of the NHL trade deadline. We're thinking about doing a live Facebook version show. So stay tuned to our Twitter account. We'll make mention of that as well. So you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now. However you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. Let's dive a little bit more into the NHL. And last night in the NHL, besides the pathetic performance of our Columbus Blue Jackets, these games took advantage as the Colorado Avalanche beat the Golden Knights 3 to nothing. How about Chicago beating the Ottawa Senators a total of eight goals in the first period alone between the two teams? Eight goals together make eight goals in the first period alone. And Ottawa loses 8-7 to to the Chicago Blackhawks. Calgary, a winner 5-2 over Arizona. And the Bruins getting an overtime win in the tank, 6-5. And then the Washington Capitals getting a win, 3-2, beating the LA Kings. Tonight on the docket, besides the Jackets in the Bell Center, it will be Toronto in St. Louis. 8 o'clock puck drop on NBCSN. Buffalo is in Florida to take on the Panthers. Pittsburgh is in New Jersey to take on the Devils. Tampa Bay, after their thumping of the Jackets, head into Philadelphia to take on the Flyers. Carolina hosts the Rangers. Anaheim is in Minnesota to take on the Wild. Nashville is in Dallas to take on the Stars. And the Oilers are at home to take on the Arizona Coyotes. At home to take on the Coyotes. Standings going into tonight's play look like this. This is a big game for the Jackets because they have to win this game. They have to win this game because of the fact that Pittsburgh is playing New Jersey tonight. So we'll get into the Metropolitans here in just a second. But with the win, Tampa last night improves their record to the best record in the NHL at 45-11-4 with 94 points. Boston's in second at 35-17-8 with 78 points. Toronto is 36-19-3 with 75 points. Metropolitan standings looks like this. It is the Islanders at first place at 35-17-6 with 76 points. The Islanders are for real, folks. I hate to say that, but the Islanders are for real. Washington is 33-20-7 with 73 points. The Jackets holding still the third position in the Metropolitan Division at 33-22-3 with 69 points. Wildcard standings looks like this. Pittsburgh holding the first position at 31, 21, and 7 with 69 points. The Canadians are 31, 21, and 7 with 69 points, holding the second wild card position. On the outside looking in, it's Carolina at 31, 22, and 6 with 68 points. Buffalo's 28, 23, 7 with 63 points. The Flyers are 28, 24, and 7 with 63 points. Florida is 25, 14, 8 with 58 points. The Rangers 25, 25, 8 with 58 points. The New Jersey Devils are 23-28-8 with 54 points. The Red Wings are 23-29-8 with 54 points. And the out and the final team in last place in the Eastern Conference is the Ottawa Senators at 22-32-5 with 49 points. Western Conference standings look like this. Winnipeg is 36-19-4 with 76 points. The Nashville Predators, Smashville Predators are 34-22-5 with 73 points. 
The St. Louis Blues are 31-22-5 with 67 points. In the Pacific Division, holding the top spot in the Western Conference is the Calgary Flames at 36-16-7 with 79 points. San Jose is 35-17-8 with 78 points. Vegas is 32-25-4 with 68 points. Wildcard standings looks like this. Dallas is holding the first spot at 29-24-5 with 63 points. The Minnesota Wilder are 27-26-6 with 60 points. On the outside looking in is the Colorado Avalanche at 24-24-11 with 59 points. But here's a surprising fact for you. The Chicago Blackhawks are 25-26-9 with 59 points on the outside looking in of a playoff spot. And they're under 500. Unbelievable. Vancouver 26, 27, and 7 with 59 points. Arizona 26, 28, and 5 with 57 points. Anaheim 23, 27, 9 with 55 points. Edmonton 24, 29, and 5 with 53 points. And the LA Kings are holding the worst position in the Western Conference with a record of 23, 30, and 6 with 52 points. So that's the standings. News notes to pass along here. Uh, Dustin Bufflin's going to be out three games with a lower body injury for the Winnipeg Jets. That's a surprising note to pass along there for you. Um, uh, don't forget this upcoming Saturday, 8 o'clock on NBC. It is the Stadium Series game, the Flyers and the Penguins. That's going to be a great game to see at the in-state rivalry. Looking forward to that as well. And like I said, may mention of this beforehand, the news just coming out from the Jackets tonight. Artemi Panarin out battling an illness. He'll be out from tonight's game against the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll see what happens. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's continue to hit the ice and let's talk about the premier double-A hockey program. That is the ECHL. And let's talk about the fish and the clones and the big weekend that was in the Central Division. So we had a huge weekend in the ECHL as the ECHL is the double A Premier Hockey League of the NHL. A huge weekend it was indeed for both the for the um, for the Central Division. In the Western Conference, huge games, and it all started last week, of course, as we talk about both not only not only the Walleye, but we also talk about the first place team in the division, and that is the Cincinnati Cyclones getting out to a five nothing win this past Wednesday night against on the thirteenth against those dreaded Indy Fuel teams. This year, and looking at the interesting notes of notes for that one, it was Penderson his eighth of the season in the first period, Jones his fourth, and as they shut out the fuel by a score of five to nothing, Cododo, Marnell, and Milton all scoring as well too. The Cyclones out shooting Indy in the game, thirty-seven to thirty. Cyclones two for four on the power play, Indianapolis, zero for four in the power play, but it set up a huge weekend. A home-and-home between the Toledo Walleye and the Cincinnati Cyclones. And we'll start with Friday night. A huge game. 
battle supremacy. The Walleye needed to get the win to keep pace with Cincinnati. Cincinnati in first place, Toledo in second in the division. And it was it started off pretty well for the Walleye as A.J. Jenks getting his 13th goal of the season at the 12.37 mark of the first period, giving the official 1-0 lead, Hunter Smith and Shane Birchback on the assist for that one before at the end of 20 minutes of play. Before then, after that, in the second period, excuse me, Alex Weidman, his 18th of the season at the 9.55 mark of the second period from Brady Vale, tying the game at one apiece. And then we saw something we haven't seen in a very long time and something I haven't heard since this man was at BGSU. Last minute of play here in the period. Flying pigs in the offensive zone. Marnell up top to Atwall. Throws it down behind the cage for Glotoff. We're centering feet in front. They score! Boss Glotoff out in front. And the Cyclones have taken a 2 to- So, if you haven't seen the highlight, look at the highlight on again. Everett calls, the, calls it as a pass play out front. However... However, it did not go that route. Glotov took the puck, put it on his stick, and flicked it past Pat Nagel over his shoulder. Like, tucked it in. Like the play that you usually see on the highlight reels from Michigan University. I won't give him... I'm not going to blame him for that because... After talking to him on Saturday, he said his cameraman was blocking the view, and he thought it was a pass play out front. And I, lo- I love you, Everett. I love you so much. And he listens to the podcast. I love you. I tell you, you know, I, he he does a bang up job when he does the broadcast. But that was a that was a gaffe. I have to give him a gaffe on that one. But you know, I lo- I love you, Everett. I love you. I love you for that. Absolutely do. As Cincinnati, the Flying Pigs, they were named the Flying Pigs, beat the Toledo Walleye by a score of 2-1. to one. In the game, Cincinnati out shooting Toledo 25-29. to 29. The Both teams 0-5 on the power play for that one. Nagel stopping 27-29. It was Michael Hauser stopping 24-25. In the game, then you get to Saturday night, and it was a beatdown in T Town. I'll tell you that much. I was sitting in the press box with Everett, and I told you, I told him, I said, "You're gonna tonight's gonna be something, something interesting. You're gonna see either a team that's gonna come out fighting, or I don't know. I don't know what we were gonna expecting. I really didn't know what to expect." With the game, I figured Toledo would come out strong in this game, but no. Caden Fulcher starting the game for the Fish, and he gets pulled in the first period after giving up four goals and ten shots in the first period alone. Johnson, his fifth of the season. Bisson, his fourth of the season. At the 444 mark of the of the first period, then Moss Glotov, his eleventh of the season. 
And then Jesse Schultz, his 14th of the season, was 4-0. Halfway through, more than halfway through the first period before Caden Fulcher was pulled in the game. Jones then gives up, then Pat Nagel comes in. And I have an Andy Rance here in just a little bit later on on the program about Caden Fulcher here in just a little bit. But Jones getting his fifth of the season, Pat beating Pat Nagel coming in relief, making it 5 nothing, and it was 5 nothing fish before Brian Moore gets his 14th of the season at the 17-24 mark of the first period, making the deficit to 5-1. to In the second period, Ryan Ovakowski getting his third of the season, making it 5-2, to and that was it. The walleye getting beat by the Cyclones a second night in front of a sell-out crowd at, at the Huntington Center of 8,203 by a final score of 5-1. to Toledo out shooting Cincinnati in the game 30-23. to Cincinnati 2-for-6 on the power play. Toledo 1-for-3 on the power play. Like I mentioned, Kane Fulcher stopping, allowing ten, 4 goals in 10 shots. Stopping 6. Pat Nagel stopping 12-of-13. In the game, Michael Hauser stopping 28 of 30 in the game for the Cyclones. So the Cyclones getting a big win. Good to see Everett again. Had a good chance to chat with them as well, too. We didn't get a chance to do anything for the podcast. We're looking forward toward talking to him again in the talking to him again in the future for the podcast. Looking forward to having a discussion with that. But the Cyclones beating up on the fish, and we get to Sunday, and we'll start with the Cyclones looking to go 3-3 three and three overall on the weekend as they hosted the Adirondack Thunder in a matinee game at U.S. Bank Arena, and the and the Cyclones getting a big win by a score of 5-4 to four in overtime over the Adirondack Thunder. It was just Jones' sixth of the season. Samalta, his 23rd for Adirondack, tying the game at the 8-23 mark of the first period, and not even... A few seconds later, Ward, his 13th of the season, making it 2-1 Adirondack in the second period. He's me in the second period. A full period away, Ward gets the goal. makes it 2-1 Adirondack. Brady Vale gets the goal. Ties it, ties it up his 18th of the season, tying it at two apiece before Adirondack from Thompson and Samola, his 24th of the season. Thompson, his fourth, making it 4-2 Adirondack. And then the Cyclones... Power through from a two-goal deficit to beat Adirondack in overtime. It started with Arvin Atwal, his ninth hit of the season, and then Jesse Schultz tying the game with less than a minute to play, his 15th of the season, and then his 16th of the season in overtime. Cincinnati cruises and beats in a comfort-behind fashion over the Thunder 5 to four. Cincinnati outshot in the game by Adirondack 38 to 28. Both teams one for three on the power play it was Johansson starting for the Cyclones. He stopped 34 of 38 in the game. It was Solopolalis. Stella Polalapos is stopping 23 of 28. I hope I didn't really butcher his name. I, I'll probably hear it from Evan Pivnik from that one, but the Cyclones getting a 5-4 win in overtime over the Adirondack Thunder. So that was the matinee game, the final game for the Fish on the weekend before they hit the road. They went toe-to-toe with the Kalamazoo Wings, and they got back on the winning page with a 5-3 win 
over the K-Wings. Looking for redemption. Dylan Salloway, a natural hat-trick in the first period alone. His his four, 12th, 13th, and 14th of the season, making it 3 nothing Fish after at midway at past the midway point of the first period. Kyle Thompson is 13th of the season, making a 3-1 lead for the Fish after 20 minutes of play. Kyle Blaney is excuse me, Blaney his 10th of the season at the second period, making it 3-2 before Matt Register from the Fish getting his 11th of the season, making it 4-2. Uh, Cadellis his 8th of the season, making a 4-3 game in favor of the Fish, but then AJ Jenks his 14th of the season making it a 5-3 win for the Fish as they win on Sunday afternoon. The Fish out shooting the K-Wings 39-28. Toledo 3-for-5 on the power play. Kalamazoo 1-for-8 in the game. Starting the game was Pat Nagel. He stopped 25-of-28 in the game. Hildebrand started the game for Kalamazoo. He was pulled after the natural hat-trick by Dylan Sadaway, stopping 13-of-16. It was Cavellis stopping 21 of 23. He gets the loss in the game. So the walleye getting back on the winning page. Only winning one out of the three games this past weekend. Not going to really help anything for the walleye going forward. As they get ready to hit the road, they'll be heading into Kansas City this week. And they play tomorrow night, 7.05 start time. in be 8.05 Eastern in Independence, Missouri, as they take on the Mavericks. Cincinnati will be at home to take on the Kalamazoo Wings, 735 puck drop, Eastern Standard Time for that one. Before that, they will the next night they will take on the Wheeling Nailers on Thursday. So big games for the Cyclones. The Fish, three games in Kansas City tomorrow night, Friday night, and then also on Saturday. Sad, yes, Saturday night. Saturday night, they are not going to be on the at, on the on the ice. They'll be headed back on the road as they'll come back home to Huntington Center. They'll actually go. Actually, they'll go back to Huntington Center before they go back up to Kalamazoo for a Kalamazoo game next Wednesday night. But looking at the standings going into tonight's play. Here's what it looks like. After the beatdown against Cincinnati and the win against Kalamazoo, Cincinnati still holding strong and holding the best record in the ECHL at 36-9-3-3 with 78 points. In the Central Division, they are holding first spot. In second is Toledo at 30-13-4-3 with 67 points. Kalamazoo is 27-21-1-2 with 57 points. Fort Wayne is 23-18-3-5 with 54 points. The Wheeling Nailers 24-23-5-1 with 54 points. Indianapolis is 25-25-2-1 with 53 points. The Mountain Division in the West looks like this. Utah is 31-15-4-1 with 67 points. Tulsa is 30-18-4-2 with 66 points. Idaho 31-17-2-2 with 66 points. Kansas City, who the Walleye will be playing this week, are 26-19-3-1 with 56 points. Rapid City is 21, 25, 3, 5, and 3 with 50 points. Wichita is 20, 25, 6, and 3 with 49 points. And the All Americans are 17, 32, 4, and 2 with 40 points. In the Eastern Conference, looks like this. Newfoundland still holding strong at 34, 14, 4, and 0 
with 72 points. Anirondack, 28-18-4-2 with 62 points. Brampton, 26-25-1 with 58 points. Manchester is 27-24-1-1 with 56 points. Worcester is 23-21-5-3 with 54 points. The Maine Mariners are 26-24-0-1 with 53 points. And the Reading Royals are 22-20-4-5 with 53 points. In the South Division, it is the Florida Everblades holding the best spot in the Eastern Conference with a record of 35-12-5-0 with 75 points. Orlando is 27-19-3-0 with 57 points. Jacksonville 26-22-2-2 with 56 points. South Carolina 25-21-5-0 with 55 points. Atlanta 21-27-1 with 50 points. Norfolk is 20-25-4-3 with 47 points. And the Greenville Swamp Rabbits are holding the second the second worst record in the ECHL at 18-31-3-2 with 41 points. Allen Americans are holding the worst record in the East Coast Hockey League. So we'll see what happens. Good luck to the Fish this weekend in in Kansas City, and good luck to the good luck to the Cyclones as they have their two big home games against Kalamazoo and Wheeling. As you are listening to All Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the hard court and let's talk a little college basketball. Now let's talk a little hard court basketball. Let's talk about our Bowling Green. State University Falcons men's basketball team as they took on Central Michigan last Tuesday night at the Stroh Center and they get a 79-72 win over the Chippewas, beating the Chippewas in the season series as they beat them up in Mount Pleasant this earlier this year's season. And it was it was Dylan Fry getting 23.7 for 16 from field goal range as the Falcons cruise to a 79-72 win. Over the Chippewas. Roundtree with 20 points in the game. He was 7 for 15 for field goal range. It was DeMario Wiggins with 11 rebounds. 7 defensive rebounds. 4 offensive rebounds. Dev, Kevin McKay, 10 rebounds. 5 defense. 5 offense. For Central Michigan. It was Justin Turner with 3 assists. Larry Austin Jr. had 8 assists in the game. Box score looks like this, of course. For Central Michigan, it was Montgomery, 2 for 10 from field goal range. He had 4 points, but it was Roundtree with 20 points. He was 7 for 15 from field goal range, 3 for 7 from beyond the arc. He was the leading points getter for them. No really big points off the bench for Central Michigan, but for Bowling Green, it was Dylan Fry, 23 points, 17, 7 for 16 from field goal range, 4 for 10 for 3-point range. Turner had 20 points, 6 for 12 from field goal range, 1 for three, one for 4 from 3-point range. It was Laster with 8 points, 3 for 8 from field goal range, 2 for 2 from 3-point range, leading the scorers off the bench. So Bowling Green getting the 79-72 win. They then waited until Saturday afternoon that they beat the Northern Illinois Huskies by 20 points. By a score of 87 to 67. And remember, Northern Illinois was the first team to beat Buffalo. So Bowling Green beating Northern Illinois by 20. You know, that should help the RPI out a little bit, but it really hurt them Friday night. Before we get to breaking down Saturday's game, Friday night, Buffalo went into Toledo to take on the Toledo Rockets, and Buffalo beating Toledo 
88-82. So it's a give and take with the when it comes to that. Sure, Toledo beats Bowling Green, but Toledo couldn't beat Buffalo. Bowling Green beats Buffalo. Toledo can't beat Buffalo. But of course, like I said, Bowling Green getting an 87-67 win over the Northern Illinois Huskies on Saturday. Justin Turner had 34 points in the game, 10 for 14 from field goal range. Uh, Levi Bradley for Northern Illinois had 18.6 for 12 from field goal range. Turner also had 7 rebounds all on the defensive end. Bradley had 6 rebounds, 5 on the defensive end for him. It was Antoine Lillard with 6 assists in the game. Bradley had 1 assist as well. So NIU leading the way in that one. Turner, like I said, 34 points, 10 for 14 from field goal range, 4 for 5 from 3-point arc. Dylan Fry, 13 points, 4 for, five, four for 9 from field goal range, 2 for 6 from 3-point range. Uh, Lillard, 10 points off the bench, 4 for 7 from field goal range, 2 for 4 from the 3-point arc. Northern Illinois, Bradley had 18.6 from 12 for field goal range, 1 for 4 from beyond the arc. In the game. All real big points from the bench as well. So tonight, of course, Bowling Green tipping off against Akron. And games on Saturday that were interest. interest. Ball State beating Akron 57-56. Western Michigan in overtime. Beats Miami of Ohio 84-79. Ohio loses to Central Michigan 87-80. And Kent State a 71-58 win over Eastern Michigan. Tonight on the docket in the MAC looks like this. Akron is at Bowling Green. Buffalo is at home to take on Ohio. Ball State is in Miami and Oxford to take on the Red Hawks. Toledo is in Ypsilanti to take on the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Kent State is on the road to play in Mount Pleasant against the Central Michigan Chippewas. So looking at the standings going into tonight's play, it looks like this. In the MAC East, Buffalo still in first place. With a record of 10 and 2, 22 and 3 overall. Bowling Green in a mathematical first place tie with Buffalo at 10 and 2, 18 and 7 overall is their standings. Kent State is two games out of first place at 8 and 4 in the conference, 19 and 6 overall. Akron 6 and 6, four games out, 14 and 11 overall. Miami of Ohio is 5 and 7, five games out of first place, 13 and 12 overall in in play. Ohio is 3 and 9 in conference play, 7 games out of first place, 11 and 13 overall. In the MAC West, Toledo is still in front overall record of 20 and 5, 8 and 4 in conference play. Central Michigan is 17 and 8 overall, 6 and 6 in conference play. They're two games out of first place. Ball State is 14 and 11, 5 and 7 in conference play, 3 games out of first place. So is Eastern Michigan 11 and 14 overall. 5 and 7 in conference play, 3 games out of first place. NIU is 12 and 14 overall, 5 and 8 in conference play, 3 and a half games out of first place. And Western Michigan is 8 and 18 overall, 2 and 11 in conference play. They are 6 and a half games out of first place. And looking at the top 25 going into tonight's play, Duke, the Dukies, holding the number one overall spot. With 58 first place points, Gonzaga is number two. Virginia is three. Kentucky four. Tennessee falls four spots after they beat. They were beaten by Kentucky and John Calipari in his club. Big Blue defeated Tennessee. They move up one. Tennessee moves down four. 
to number five. Nevada is sixth. Michigan is seventh. They fall one spot. Carolina is now eighth. Houston is ninth. Michigan State is 10. Marquette is 11. Kansas is 12. LSU is 13. Texas Tech is 14. Purdue is 15. Florida State is 16. Villanova is 17. I, uh, Louisville is 18. Iowa State is 19. Virginia Tech is 20th. Iowa is 21st. Wisconsin 22nd. 23rd is Kansas State. Maryland is 24th. And Buffalo is 25th. Looking at the college poll, uh, the coaches poll, no real news for Bowling Green in that aspect. Buffalo is 24th in the college in the coaches poll, but the top five still looks the same for the college poll as well too. So we'll see what happens going forward as we're getting closer and closer to tournament time. We are less than what four weeks away from the brackets to be announced. The conference championship weekends are coming up. We'll see what happens. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the field. Yes, we have some news in the MLB. So if you haven't been under a rock and you are not aware of this, I'm going to break it to you easily, folks. One of the big pieces of this MLB uh, offseason has finally made its decision. He has finally made his choice. It's not a clown question, bro. It's Manny Wood. Manny Machado is taking his talents further down the coast. He announced today that he is signing a 10-year $300 million deal with the San Diego Padres. Yes. I said that right. Manny Wood is going to San Diego. Manny Machado has agreed to the biggest free agent contract signing in American sports history. A 10-year $300 million deal. That's 30 million a year Machado is a four-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner at third base. He made 16 million between both the Dodgers and the Orioles last season alone. And the deal is said to this it is pending pending a physical including an opt-out after the fifth season. According to ESPN's Jeff Passat on Tuesday, this is from you know, from them, and this is an ESPN reporting because I'm reading off of this. So, Padres owner Rod Fowler and Peter Selak won't confirm the deal and said the discussions are quote unquote continuing. Ron and I, we both we love the city of San Diego. We love sports in San Diego. We're also aware, we're also aware of the history. There has never been a championship. We as an organization want to compete completely changed that we want our franchise to win year after year after year and we're going to do whatever we can rationally to do to make that happen uh general manager aj peller also won't comment on the deal but spoke tuesday about the padres approach to building a ball club if the right guys out there guys will we feel will fit a launcher plan we're going to build it year to year basis as we get going at the right pieces at the right time. Machado is has post posted a career high 
2018 OPS, 2018 finishing the season with a 297, 367, and 567, 37 home runs, 107 RBIs, 14 stolen bases, and 66 regular season game with the Dodgers. He hit a solid 273, 13 dingers, and 42 RBIs. So Manny Machado drops his hat down and says he's gonna stay he's going to San Diego. So now the question is where will Bryce Harper go? And here is the big news for you on this one. Manny Machado decided to pass to pass on a deal which sees him sees him going to Chicago and the White Sox. Chicago offered him a 10-year $350 million deal. And he passed on that. So the question is, where's Harper going to go? If I thought Manny would go to Chicago. I had that feeling that he could go there. He wanted to be he could be at solid third baseman and he could also be a DH. And how young that Chicago White Sox team is? I feel like they would have had a solid start and a solid player with them for the full season. And possibly win the division out of it. One player can change the division race. Could they win the World Series? I doubt it. But one player can help, can influence. And losing the Mannywood sweepstakes hurt the White Sox in the long run. So now the question is, how much is Harper going to get? We'll have to see and find out. Spring training is... Well underway, we're looking forward to having the baseball hipster himself, my old broadcast partner, the one and only Nick, the money man, DeVera. He is in spring training now. He's going to be looking around at all the different teams, and we'll have him on the air for our special All Andy Alfred MLB show. Looking forward to doing that. In the middle of March, we'll have yours truly, of course, Lucas Sigerson and Nicholas DeVera. We'll all be sitting down, roundtable discussion on the season to come in Major League Baseball. I mean, after all, you're not going to get the coverage in, you're not going to get the coverage in on ESPN with Baseball Tonight being taken off the air, and you're not going to get the coverage on Buckeye with the MLB Network. We'll talk about that and so much more right here on All Andy Alford, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, Thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the final segment of our show. And it's time for Andy Rants. This is going to be a good one, folks. It is a three-parter. So it's now time for Andy Rants. And first and foremost, before we begin, I'd like to say thank you again for tuning into the program tonight. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We talk about sports every week right here on All Andy Over, right here with the Anchor Network. So we have a big, big show coming forward with the MLB season coming forward. Also have uh, a good interview setting up soon with Mr. Everett Fitzhugh, the voice of the Cincinnati Cyclones. But we begin 
Andy rants tonight with the walleye. And Saturday night, the fish got beat down by Cincinnati. And again, the Toledo faithful really let me down. A few years ago, a few years ago, the walleye were in a postseason run. Jake Patterson was your goaltender, Toledo. You remember Jake Patterson? He was a great goaltender. He was solid for you guys through the, through the playoffs. Jeff Lurg was not ready to compete yet in the playoffs. Uh, he was well re- he was rested for later on in the playoff round. They were playing, I want to say, Cincinnati, not Cincinnati. I want to say they were playing uh, either Kalamazoo or Fort Wayne in the first round of the playoffs. And oh, it was Kalamazoo. It was uh, it was Fort Wayne. What my producer is telling me. So in the game, Patterson gives up four goals in the game. At the time, Derek Lalone makes the decision to pull Patterson for Jeff Lurg. And when Lurg comes into the game, the fans give Jeff Lurg a standing ovation and cheer for for this guy, for Jeff, for Jeff Lurg. As a backup goaltender, that kills you, especially Pat Patterson. Because of the fact that you, yes, you gave up four goals, and then your fans turn on you, your fans turn on you to cheer for the crowd favorite. Bear in mind, Patterson gave you two solid wins in Fort Wayne. In Fort Wayne. And you turned your back on him for a a goaltender that, where is he now? In Italy, playing. Didn't give the city a championship. Didn't get even close to a championship. We haven't tasted a championship in this city since 1993 and the 93-94 Toledo Storm Riley Cup years. Over 26 years, we have waited for a championship in the city of Toledo. 26 years. And the way that our fans have been acting is just atrocious. To boo Caden Fulcher, this kid who is solid for you guys when Pat Nagel isn't going in. Fulcher is a solid goaltender. Part of the Red Wings organization. And you boo him. And you cheer for Pat Nagel. Who needed a night off. After getting beat. By Cincinnati the night before. Give the young kid a chance. To do something. And you. You cheered for Pat Nagel. Shows you that Toledo fans are fair weather fans. When it comes to goaltending like that. So I commend Caden Fulcher for a good effort, you know, and 
I wish I wish Watson wouldn't pander to the fans. I wish I wish he wouldn't. I really wish it. You know, you don't see that that often that somebody like that you know gets booed like that. And then the backup who is who is the crowd favorite gets an absolute standing ovation and says, It's about time. Like people are saying it's about time that he comes in, blah 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 blah. If he was gonna start, he should have started. It what if Nagel was the one that gave up the four the five goal four goals on ten shots? Would you want Fulcher in the game? Would you be giving Fulcher a standing ovation? I didn't think so. So that's part one. Part two is this. We are at the crossroads in WWE. Now, this past Tuesday, SmackDown took place in Toledo. And you know me, I'm a big wrestling fan. I got a chance to go to the, go to the show. Sat on the floor, had a good time. Um, didn't like the way that they're writing Becky Lynch off on this whole situation with Charlotte Flair now getting the Raw Championship match. Wouldn't you need to give it to a Raw superstar, not Charlotte Flair? And better yet, where's Asuka in this situation? We haven't heard anything from Asuka. We don't know who her opponent's going to be for WrestleMania or who who, who she's going to be facing at Fastlane, which is the next pay-per-view event. We don't know. WWE is gapping that one. And and the thing is, I commend WWE for putting on a good show. I loved there were some bits of the, bits of the show I loved. Like the the Miz bit with with Shane McMahon and the Usos. And better yet, talking about the Usos, how about the story of Jimmy Uso and his wife Naomi driving down the wrong way of a Detroit freeway, she gets pulled over by a cop, and Jimmy Uso then squares up with that cop, gets arrested. Welcome to the Detroit Penitentiary for the night. Gets released, and he's wrestling Sunday night for the Raw for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, and they win, beating. The Miz and Shane McMahon. My biggest thing is this. What are they going to do with that? The whole Jimmy and, and Naomi situation. What are they going to do with that with, uh, with Becky Lynch and the whole situation? The Daniel Bryan storyline's got to change. This is utterly stupid. Him doing this green initiative. I'm green, you know, fickle, and all this. Turn it off. I turn it off every time. The only one that deserves recognition this week is Kofi Kingston. Absolutely killing it on on SmackDown last Tuesday in the gauntlet match. Beating the WWE champion in Daniel Bryan. Beating Jeff Hardy. Beating Samoa Joe. Losing to AJ Styles and then Randy Orton getting the win. And then 
on Sunday at Elimination Chamber held his strong, held on to play and try to beat Daniel Bryan. But of course, Daniel Bryan getting the win on at Elimination Chamber. So Daniel Bryan's storyline is going to continue. So we'll find out tonight what his next opponent's going to be at WWE Fastlane, which is at the queue. Thinking about going to that. Really, I am. So we'll see what happens with that. And we're also going to see what happens with The Miz and Shane McMahon. And I, I, I have a feeling it's going to be Miz and Shane at WrestleMania. Something's going to happen between the two of them. I really do. So there's part two. But WWE did a great job. And the fans came out, sold out Huntington Center. 205 Live was fantastic. I love watching 205 Live, watching those guys. But it it was a 6 out of 10 out of me for me. Didn't did, We didn't have the WWE matchup at the end. We didn't have Asuka versus Charlotte versus Becky. WWE missold it. But I could understand why because the, I said on the bottom of the thing, card subject to change. They were just following from the night before with a go-home episode of, of Raw. And now my third thing, my third and final thing. The whole situation with the NHL, the NHL deadline. We need some clarity on this when it comes to who's going where and what's going to happen. Will The question is, will Bob go? Will Panarin go? What will we get out of the whole situation? We'll find out on Monday, the NHL deadline. And all Andy Elford will have a special edition of the program we got approved for the NHL Deadline show. It will be Monday evening, five uh, approximately after six thirty. All Andy Alfred Monday six thirty on Facebook Live. The NHL will recap the season, and we will also tape the All Andy Alfred episode for in front of everybody. It'll be live. It open the question. We'll see what happens if Bob gets moved. If Panarin gets moved, we'll see what happens. So. All Andy Alford live next Monday at 6.30 on Facebook Live. Find me on Facebook. It is Andy Alford. Hit the friend. We'll have the live edition. It will be open to the public. You can listen and watch it in as well, too. So that's Andy Rants for you tonight. And uh, special thanks to Everett Fitzhugh with the audio from the Cincinnati Cyclones on the call from to, from Saturday, from Friday night, the Flying Pigs. We'll see what happens going forward. So that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network. We'll be back again, like I said, Monday for a special NHL deadline edition right here on the Anchor Network. But until then, this is Andy Elford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams I root, you root for at home, and my teams, come on, Jackets. Prove me wrong. Let's go Walleye. Let's go Cyclones. And let's go Falcons. And awesome. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys next Monday for the special NHL 
deadline edition of All Andy Alfred. Love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network, powered by Anchor.